Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write us off. This is Two Stars, the Nottingham Forest podcast from The Athletic. On this episode, we find out what's happening behind the scenes at the city grounds, give out a bunch of made-up end-of-season awards, and for the final time, ask, did they really play for Forest? Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic, this is Two Stars. Hello, listener. Hope you're well. Matt Davis-Adams here. I'm joined by The Athletic's Forest correspondent, Paul Taylor. Good, Good morning. Good morning. I sounded surprised there, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you caught you off guard there. Nick Miller's also with us. How are you doing, Nick? Uh, I'm all right. Every every Thursday, Paul, we've been doing it for for a while. You know, just, just, sorry to have kept caught you off guard there, but yeah. Uh, hello, right. hello everyone. Hello, good hellos there, guys. Uh, we're going to say hello to somebody else next. He said, segueing as the athletic senior writer and forest supporter Daniel Taylor joins us to talk what's going on behind the scenes. 
Daniel broke the story last week. Athletic.com slash ForestPod to sign up, by the way, if you're not currently a subscriber. That chief executive, Janos Frensos, is considering his position at the club. Um, Daniel, as, as I say, that, that was last week. Has anything been, been updated since then? Is he still considering it? Has he made his decision? Uh, there's not been a massive update since then. Um, Forrester accepting that the story is true, and and I think if if a, if a man in that position is considering this position, that normally means that he probably is going to leave. Certainly, the um, certainly in Greece, there's a there's a strong feeling that he's going to go back to Athens and maybe work somewhere else in the in the Marinakis Empire. There's still it's still this this side. It's still a little bit fluffy, I suppose. Um, there's all sorts of options apparently that are open. One one of which is that he continues but um, maybe takes a sort of slightly lesser role which seems a bit strange so I don't really see how that would help. Another option which seems even stranger is that he might go back to Greece and carry on doing it in a dual responsibility which again you kind of think well what, what benefit is that going to be for Forrest but I mean essentially I think what it tells us is that they are they are despite their many sort of flaws they are very self-critical at the top of Forrest they, they, and even while they may project this kind of image that you know we everything's fine and that we're such a brilliantly run football club, and I think deep down they they will be hurt and dismayed and 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 reflective and realise that they have made mistakes. And you know I, I don't I don't think we've actually been above fifteenth uh, this season. You know when when you when you think of the ambitions at the at the top of the football club. I mean if you if you remember back to that that Yanis fell out with Karanka because we weren't in the automatic promotion places. I mean, we're, we're around the playoffs then. So it's so a goodness knows what, what he thinks about the fact that, we, you know, we've spent the season pretty much most of it sort of in that kind of 16th to 19th kind of position, really. And, you know, a couple of times look like we're going to get sucked into proper relegation danger. So, so Vrensos has been in charge of the, the club recruitment policy. Would Paul's piece linking Forrest with the likes of Dion Charles, Josh Ruffles, Jerry Yates, would that suggest that that's already changed because Blackpool, Accrington and, and Oxford aren't, aren't the places that Vrensos typically shops? Well, no, they're not. And that's been one of the problems for us because um, I certainly think until maybe the last year, year to 18 months, we've really not had any... Um, any expertise in terms of looking at the lower leagues and and understanding the you know the benefits i mean tony at brentford you know we, we, forest were notified that he was available and would be a good signing for us and we didn't even reply to to the to the person who was making that uh, that that approach um in fact, in fact i'm pretty sure we were approached more than once so so yeah it's been yeah it's no secret it's it's been recruitment wise it's been a very very uh, mixed bag and um not just recruitment really but just the kind of decision making of giving giving players in their 30s long um long contracts on big money i mean people forget about someone like heffley for example you know he's just he would have cost about a million pounds in wages this season and any football club that had done a proper proper medical research or analysis would know he he wasn't deserving of a contract you know a player a player in in his time of his career must you know I mean he must have been delighted to be offered that contract but you know when you think of the contracts that have been given to Harry Arter and I mean Lyle, Lyle Taylor I have to hold my hands up and say when he's when he signed I thought that would be a good signing and I wasn't you know so I can't be completely hypocritical but then he, you look at that and just think well you look a little bit further into it and you look at his CV and where he was before and and really it seems that we signed him pretty much on the strength of you know the fact that he played so well in one game, mm. but you know a lot of players can play well in one game. You know what what we need is a proper, just some real expertise 
back there and and a, I mean, I hate to use the word overhaul because it feels like Forest have an overhaul every season or sometimes twice a season. So, you know, what happens is the fans tend to get excited. They see these new names coming in as kind of, oh, you know, this must be an improvement. And I think until we actually see what's definitely going to happen with with Yanis and the rest of the board and the recruitment team, it's, you know, maybe it's just sort of a bit, bit better to have a kind of a watch this space kind of belief rather than just assuming it's all going to work out in the end because... We've been there now, and it, what is it? It's like you know, twenty twenty odd years since. How many how many times have we even looked like we might be get a promotion in that time? So we'll have to see, really. With that in mind, you you also said last week that um, George Sirianos from the uh, head of analytics at Stuttgart may be coming in as well. Is there anything that you can tell us about that? Well, just that really. I mean, my it was, even that there's a bit of confusion, and, and as I say, Forrest don't really like these things being played out publicly. My information was that he was coming in as head of recruitment and obviously the long forgotten Anigo had obviously left in slightly dubious circumstances. <laughs> so there was a space available there. Um, Forrest have told me that, that that is not true, which I have to be honest, I'd be interested to see then how that um, how that pans out because my info was pretty good. So, so I, I kind of just termed it when I when I put it out there that it was just a new look recruitment department. So I kind of fudged it, but we'll, we'll have to see. You know the kind of the hierarchy of that department and what does that mean for Francois Modesto? Because if Forest really are going to be completely critical of themselves and look at look at look at their work, then. I mean, I put this bluntly, he, he's going to be very lucky to keep his job when you think of the, the number of mistakes that he's made and the number of um, poor signings and strange recruitment tactics that we've used. So so it, it just, there does seem to be, I mean, it makes a change, doesn't it? I mean, normally, you know, basically the default setting at Forest over the last few years and before then with the previous owner was just, just to get rid of the manager and start to, you know, it does seem like they are actually looking at themselves, which... It's slightly encouraging. I wouldn't say anything more than that, but but yeah, we, we need some better knowledge in the recruitment department. Um, we're not short of bodies there. I mean, Gary Brazil obviously got a, got a promotion a while back, but you know, we, we have people there. It's just sometimes I'm not quite sure whether they're all pulling in the right in the same direction. Really, I mean, Gary, I would, you know, this is a very much a personal thing, but I, you know. If, I still think that he would be a better technical director at the football club than, than the one we actually have. Um, but obviously my voice doesn't particularly carry huge weight in these things. Uh, Paul, you, you've written that, that Chris Hewton wants six or seven incomings and mm. a fair few more than that outgoings, potentially. What what the club need to do is decide who's doing what above him pretty quickly for that to be to be able to happen in good time ahead of, ahead of pre-season starting. Not not just above him as well, but you know they've made a big deal out of having this new European model where the, there would be a head coach rather than a manager, and it seems like they've backtracked a little bit where Hewton's concerned, and he would have perhaps more of an influence on recruitment. And I I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Perhaps I'm a bit old fashioned, but I think if you're the manager that's actually going to be using that team, using those players, and building a team that you think can win promotion, I think you should be the one that ultimately has not just the final say, but perhaps the biggest say on on who comes in. So. The best thing they could do for me this summer is perhaps just give Hewton more of a uh, an influence to say, look, this is the player I want. What do you think? Can we do it? Rather than, you know, perhaps giving him a list of seven or eight players. Here's one from Olympiacos. Here's one from Portugal. Here's a Premier League youngster. Here's somebody that's failed and hasn't played for 
six months, you know, let him pick who he wants and, and and see where that gets you a little bit more perhaps and let him have an influence on on the team that he perhaps wants to build and, and you know, see how that works out. Because he's got a track record of, of success at, at this level. You know, he's he's very rarely failed at, at championship level. He's normally been a success. So trust the man that's done it before. Yeah, particularly in his second season. Um, Danny, before we let you go, we've spoken about the the scrutiny on, on Rensos' position. I, I just wonder about Nicholas Randall and, and Johnny Owen, because it's quite a small power base at the top of the club. But is there sort of introspection as, as to their roles? Or is Randall just essentially front of house window dressing and, and doesn't have much to do day to day other than that anyway? Um, well, it's a good question. Um, he His role did change at the start of last well, now last season, isn't it? Where, where he um, he took a, I suppose he took a pay cut. He was on a very um, handsome contract, and basically he was he was meant to kind of take a role, a bit more of a back seat, and become a non-exec chairman. Forrest never actually announced that, and um, which was slightly strange. But um, but as it's turned out, I actually believe that he's he's carried on. I mean, if a non-exec director, normally you would only see them on match days. As it's actually turned out, I'm told that Nick is actually still taking very much a hands-on role there. But but the, the things with he, he and Johnny Owen, it is very much that that Yanis um, that Ventros is the boss. Um, they both um, are very much beneath him. Um, so really, in terms of in terms of like the the forward momentum of the football club, I think. If Yanis did leave, I think that would be a, a very big moment, really, for mm. for the club in terms of that. As I say, he he runs the place day to day. Nick, you can understand why he was brought in. He's got QC after his name. Everyone at the football club has to put QC after his name, otherwise they get told off. You know, he is front of house respectability for Marinakis. Johnny Owen was brought in. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see whether Johnny Owen believes that his position he, that he is a worthy director of the football club. I mean, that's maybe open to debate. But there's yeah, it's it's a strange board. Um, there's a lot of you know, I obviously speak to a lot of football clubs in 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 my work, and a lot of them, a lot of people like Forest. People want Forest to do well, but I get so many people asking me what what is going on at Forest, and, and people do say, you know, how is the board made up? Of, in that way and and is that the the right structure for for the club and do these people really know english you know have they worked in football before in english football i mean because yanis obviously was at olympiacos and and are they the right people to 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 get the club promoted and i mean the evidence on the four years so far unfortunately for us as fans and journalists that could follow the club is no sigh never mind might be 22 <laughs> years <laughs> uh, Danny thank you so much for for joining us today I, I'm guessing you're going to be busy over the summer in, in terms of Euros and, and stuff so uh, so well worth people keeping across your, your output for The Athletic cheers nice to be on Daniel Taylor there reading him only in The Athletic next up today we're going to give out some richly deserved awards as we look back hopefully for the last time ever on the absolute dumpster fire that was Nottingham Forest season 2020-21 looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So riffing on Paul's piece, which did pretty much what we're about to, and given it's the end of the season and our final show of the campaign, we thought we'd dish out some Forest-based awards. Here are the categories up for debate. We've got best game, Worst performance, player of the season, best goal, best moment of the season, worst moment of the season, most likely to feature in a future episode of Did They Really Play For Forest? Should we ever resurrect the feature? And reasons to be cheerful. Uh, Got to be honest with you, listener, a lot of these categories took a long while to find an answer for. Uh, let's start with, with best game. Uh, Paul, you went for, for QPR at home 3-1 uh, I noted or I heard I should say on, on Radio Nottingham that, that Forrest scored one or nil goals in 39 of their 46 games last season in the league so this is a fairly easy pick yeah they, in fact I think they scored three goals in three games I think that that's the entirety of the number of times they scored more than two so that kind of sums things up perfectly there weren't really very many high points were there there weren't any performances that you look back on and think wow Forrest were great that day uh, there were probably two or three games where they kind of clicked into place and, and did okay and, and, and did enough to get a, a relatively comfortable win but uh, it probably sums up the season perfectly the fact that you know you kind of had to rack your brains to try and think of what the best game and best performance was it, it's been a pretty beige season all round if we're entirely honest Yeah and I think mine and Nick's choices also kind of sum up the uh, the season I went for the 1-0 win at Preston one shot on target. That was Lewis Crabben's <laughs> penalty that shouldn't have counted because he double-tapped the ball. Um, Nick, you've gone for a routine win at home against a relegated side. <laughs> it's kind of... I was just thinking um, just before we started to, to let everyone in, behind the curtain a little bit. Matt and producer Lucy also work on the Chelsea uh, podcast um, who have reached two Champions League finals this season. So I imagine it's slightly more upbeat than, over there than that one. Uh, yeah, I've gone with um, the uh, home 2-0 win against Wickham. Uh, it was kind of near the start of Hewton. Second, second, of, second win in a row. A uh, few games after, um, I think Hewton won, uh, lost sort of one of his first six or something like that. And there was a bit of optimism there, you know, it was it, there was a bit of kind of okay. Well, you know, we have got some good players, and now we've got a good manager. Maybe something can can come of this season. And I think I vaguely recall saying on this podcast, which means it was unfortunately recorded, um, that the you know the, uh, an outside chance of the playoffs wasn't kind of out of the question. Um, turns out that wasn't the case, but there was a bit of optimism there, um, and uh, I enjoyed it for a very very brief moment. Right, our next category is one brimming with possibilities. Worst performance of the season, uh, Paul. <laughs> which of the of the many have you picked? Well, a, a, again for oh god, a, again for different reasons. It was <laughs> it was really it was really hard to pick one, wasn't it? I, I feel like this is going to be like a, a we're dipping our toe in a pool of misery yet again. But <laughs> there's no real real way around it, is there? Uh, the worst game of the season. I can't remember which game it was. I might actually change my mind from the one I did, but 
maybe the worst moment of the season was when Joe Lolly did his hamstring because he was just coming back from uh, from injury and starting to look like his old self again a little bit, and that that kind of quashed any kind of hope that Forrest could find any attacking threat this season in that moment when he did his hamstring. So yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with that. The moment Joe Lolly's season was ended and and kind of any hope of Forrest having any attacking threat seemed to die with it. Speaking of a lack of attacking threat, my worst performance was Reading away, although that wasn't the biggest issue that day. You had the comedy red card for Ryan Yates, Bruce Samba going yes. for a wander, uh, two shots on target at, at what I think we would all agree is one of the very worst places to watch football, even if you're not actually in the stadium, uh, the Mad Stad. Uh, Nick, which did you go for? It is quite tough to beat uh, Reading away for kind of sheer slapstick, but I um, another sort of worthy candidate is uh, Huddersfield at home which is a few weeks ago that was a real low point if only because we'd spent a lot of time on the previous podcast talking about how this was a game between a team that didn't concede us and a team that didn't score them Q 2-0 defeat <laughs> which it, it's just a sort of I know we didn't need any evidence that this has been a, a grim grim old season where Forrest's weaknesses have been cruelly exposed but that was a real kind of you know sort of hammering the point home with a, a very large mallet this will cheer us up a bit player of the season Paul I was not surprised at your pick because it's somebody <laughs> who you've been banging the drum for for many months on this show I have to say that there were there were three or four candidates here and and, and had Joe Worrell played more games or even Ryan Yates played more games or very definitely Garner played more games they would very definitely have been in contention but uh, I just thought Cyrus Christie maybe I'm swayed by the fact that he did have such a bad start and that seemed to turn fans against him but after that bad start he has been the most consistent player in the Forest side for probably 40 of the 44 games that he's played he's he's done pretty well he's not been as good as Matty Cash he's certainly not the best right back to play for the club in recent years but in in the perspective of a, a season that's been very very poor uh, he's he's been probably Forrest's most consistent player, so I, I, I think he probably deserved it. Yeah, so well argued case. I went for for Joe Worrell, as did Ian on Twitter. Uh, Nick, you went for the uh, the other popular pick here. Yeah, um, although just uh, I mean, I went with James Garner just because he's been so good since he came in. I, I don't think it sort of enormously matters that he's only been here for half a season, less than half a season, maybe. Uh, he's just been so good. Um, although obviously, if anyone from Manchester United is listening to this, that was all uh, that was all lies. He's terrible. Get rid of him. Release him now. You know, etc. And so on. He's the one player that's consistently delivered like all moments, isn't he? Yeah. He's he's the yeah. one player that's made you sort of feel like there was something worthwhile for watching Forest for, just in case he came up with a another pass like the one he produced at Wickham for Joe Lolly. Just like real. Almost sexy football without sounding too much like Rude Hullet. Uh, he's just brilliant. I love him. And it'd be great to see him back, wouldn't it? Yeah, we're definitely all hoping for that. I don't know how realistic that hope is, but uh, but we can just keep our fingers crossed. He features in our Best Goal Award. Mark, via Twitter, has uh, has gone for the goal that Garner scored against Preston this weekend. Just past Gareth also chipped in with that one. Paul, you've gone for a, for another of your favourite Forest players here in this particular <laughs> category. I feel like there's a slightly judgmental tone there. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong. One of your favourites. <laughs> uh, I, I like it for the build-up as much as anything. He, he just Sam Yamiobi exchanged just this wonderful little one-two with Alex Mighton, who is another one of those players who's 
been one of few to deliver a few positive moments this season. Uh, I'm really excited about seeing him next season. Now he could link up with, you know, the likes of Brennan Johnson and uh, one or two other. You know, hopefully if they can bring in a few other. Joe Lolly can get back then and have a real attacking threat uh, for Forest. We don't know if Sammy Amiobi is still going to be here next season. It doesn't feel like they're particularly busting a gut to get him tied down to a new contract. Uh, but yeah, that that goal was just lovely. It, it was a, a, a an epitome of of what. Sammy's capable of just playing a one-two with with Alex Mighton and then curling a shot beyond the keeper inside the far post. It was a, a lovely goal, and you just wish he'd do it more often. He's one of those players that can go from being Premier League to Sunday League in the space of the same game. But that was definitely a Premier League moment. Yeah, it was a great goal. And Nick, I'd forgotten about the one that you picked, but that was pretty special too. Yeah, Glenn Murray uh, against uh, the away game against Wickham, partly because I absolutely love a lob. And there's something, there's, there's something even more aesthetically pleasing about the sort of lob that just goes over the keeper. That there is kind of enough of a kind of oh, that the keeper thinks he's got a chance of saving this. I don't know. Maybe it was a trick of the camera angle, and I don't know how close the keeper was to actually getting it. But um, I also picked it because I had spent the previous couple of weeks harumphing that uh, signing him was a complete waste of time, and we shouldn't bother. He's thirty-seven. He's not scored. He didn't score any goals at Watford, etc., and so on. Um, I always find it quite nice to be put in my place with uh, something like that, even if it, you know, did turn out to be more or less the only game that he did anything uh, of, of much note in. Yeah, I think you won the real quiz there. To be fair. Um, I've gone for best Forest goal of the season, Lukas Jukovic's late winner for Birmingham at Derby <laughs> last month. Oh, Birmingham have scored. And it's Lukas Jukovic again at the back post. Oh, that is a dagger to the heart. Your commitment to the passiness is, is really, <laughs> really quite encouraging. Just quickly on Sammy Obiobi, I'm quite sort of... I, I always wonder whether um, my affection for him is is kind of partly informed by the fact that I'm not there for every game. So when he does something good, then I'm more likely to see it. But I'm encouraged by the fact that someone who is there for every grim old minute of, of, of the season is uh, is with me as well. <laughs> Plenty of grim old minutes this season. What about a moment of the season? Um, Paul, your your choice shows just how slim the pickings were in this category. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, Win at Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was either that. I think I, I think my James Garner loving was also involved in that answer as well, wasn't it? Where uh, you know the, the moment that he signed was probably the best moment of the season. But in terms of what actually happened on the pitch, yeah, uh, again without stealing Nick's kind of point of view too much. That in the moment that, that Joe Lolly scored a slightly fortunate deflected winner in injury time at Blackburn to get that first win of the season I think we're all wrapped up in a sense of optimism and hope that that that, that Hewton would come in and sort of turn everything around and and make everything okay again in, in a matter of moments and as we know it didn't quite turn out that way but for those few brief seconds at Ewood Park after he'd scored that goal you just thought right here we go season started let's let's get climbing up the table and uh, it didn't turn out that way but at least we're allowed to enjoy that fleeting moment of hope and optimism just for just for a few hours on the way back from from Blackburn. We'll always have Ewood Park. Uh, I've gone pretty route one with this one and, and just gone for the announcement that Chris Hewton had been appointed manager because I thought, well, we won't get relegated in that case. And also, he just seems like a decent man. And, and you know, we, we've spoken about stuff that goes on behind the scenes and, and maybe how that reflects on Forrest quite badly. But having some sort of sensible, affable, personable human being as the face of the club is, is never a bad thing. Um, Nick, can you improve on that? 
Uh, starting the Two Stars podcast. That was my favourite moment. Of the oh, sweet. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, otherwise, I would entirely agree with with Matt appointing Hutton, partly because um, we knew we weren't going to go relegated, partly because he's a decent human being, and this, and also, I think me and Matt have kind of loosely discussed this at, at, at some point. It's the second time, it's the second manager in a row that you know he's a he's a man, manager of color. Uh, it's I don't know it, why quite whether that's something to be proud of, and it presumably wasn't a kind of you know a direct reason for his appointment by the club. But I think it is something to be proud of when there are so few black managers out there. I think it's quite sort of encouraging or something to be proud of that that Forrest have um, have had a couple. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And of course, he's got Stephen Reid as part of his uh, his backroom mm. staff as well. Uh, worst moment of the season. I mean, take your pick, really. Uh, Paul, you've gone for one of the three trips to South Wales this season. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it wasn't perhaps the worst defeat of Forest season, but it was the one that best encapsulated why they've been a bit pants. Uh, you know, they had chance after chance. I think uh, Knockhart hit the bar. Lewis Graben had, had really good chances. Joe Lolly had as well. Uh, they, they, Forrest actually played better than Swansea and, and deserved not just a draw, but maybe even to win the game. But instead of that, Connor Roberts, uh, the the five foot six or five foot seven towering colossus, uh, managed to to yet again rise at the far post to head home a, a late winner for Swansea. And you know uh, that kind of summed up Forest's season better than anything. I think you know play well, create chances, don't put them away, lose. That 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 if there was a, if there was a headstone for this season, that would be what would be written upon it. Uh, Nick, uh, I think you've picked the the right answer here. Yeah, I probably should pick one of the very many defeats and on pitch low points. But I think my worst moment of the season was about fifteen minutes into the chairman's powerfully tedious Q and A on YouTube, and just thinking, what am I doing with my life? Why am I watching this? Um, also, you know. On the kind of twelfth or thirteenth signing of of last summer, when you kind of thought, "My God, they they actually aren't going to stop signing players, aren't they?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I remember there was a point in the first part of that Q and A. I was uh, listening to it in the, in the office where I'm sat now, and I thought, oh, "Is that a blackbird or a starling I can hear outside?" And, and yeah, <laughs> that kind of tells you I was going. I, I've gone pretty straightforward again here. Uh, quite simply, sacking Sabri Lamushi in October rather than at the end of the season. He, we were fond of him. He was a stylish monsieur. I think that we'd all agree. And, and he did a good job for the, the first two-thirds of last season. But you could see what was going to happen after that Stoke game. It would have been ruthless, but it would have been the right thing to do to, to have sacked him at that point. And who knows how the season might have panned out differently uh, had they have done so. Uh, here's a fun question. A couple of more light-hearted ones to finish. Most likely to feature in a future episode of Did They Really Play for Forest? Were we ever to resurrect that particular feature? Nick, you've picked somebody who's already been in this feature, as far as I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> so does it, is that disqualified? Well, I mean, it has to, surely Foa Basharu is the, is the answer here. I mean, how, how, how much did he actually play in the first team in the end? It was about an hour, 45 minutes, something he like plays that? He Swansea in the cup, didn't he? Yeah, definitely. Well, Barnsley on the opening day, I think. The 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 man who kind of you know was I, I think I, I seem to remember Paul you saying that uh, Lamucci was he was the signing that Lamucci was most optimistic about. Yeah. kind of yeah, he felt he know. was going to be the replacement for Ben Watson. As it turned out, he the 
he just left another void the size of Ben Watson somehow. I don't know. Well, much much like Ben Watson, he hasn't played for Forest this season. So. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> they have something in common. That glorious 90 minutes on his debut in the League Cup defeat at Barnsley, uh, the first half in a 5-1 loss at Swansea in the FA Cup, and then on for a 58-minute cameo in his only championship appearance. I went for Nicholas Ewanu, who, by the way, has got three years left on his contract. Uh, Paul, can you can you add another name into the mix from the, the current crop of losers? It, it's, got to, it's, it's, uh, it's got to be Harry Arter, hasn't it? You know, I, I would have said Bashiru, but you know, we're not short of choices, so we can spread it around. Uh, I, I was actually optimistic when he signed. He's got a good background, a good pedigree, had just one promotion. I thought he was going to be decent, but uh, for whatever reason, probably nothing more complex than the fact he was the 227th central midfielder added to the squad. Uh, he's, he's never quite done it. Uh, it's all a bit sad. Uh, can can they move him on in the summer? Can he find somewhere to go and play regular football? You, you kind of hope so, because it doesn't feel like it's going to happen for him here. But he, he will very firmly be included in the annals of did he really play for Forest uh, at some point in the future. So I'm going to swat up on his background, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Is it Scott Parker? He's the brother-in-law of, isn't it? There you go. There's one yeah, of these clues. Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, this has been a fairly sad feature, so let's finish <laughs> with some positives and, and reasons to be cheerful. Uh, a couple of you have uh, chipped in on Twitter here, so we'll start with those. Ian says, with his experience, knowledge and contracts, Chris Hugh might be able to find a replacement for Ben Watson. Uh, we can but hope. Adam, Might and Carvalho and Johnson behind a new young striker terrorising defences. That would be lovely. Uh, Mark says, Chris Hewton's recruitment and a full season in charge. Change of senior leadership at club with experienced people being brought in. Finally, Derby's pantomime drawing attention away from Forrest, allowing a promotion charge. Yeah, we're all here for that. And Gareth also chipped in with the reason to be cheerful. Got a couple of months without having to watch them. Uh, Nick, oh. young players featuring uh, in your reason to be cheerful, I see. Yeah, Alex Mighton, Brennan Johnson, Jordan Gabriel, uh, you know, a couple of other lads that are coming through. Um, there's also the, you know, the hope that Chris, we've been saying it for most of the season, but uh, the hope that Chris Hewton can kind of replicate what he did at Brighton. It, you know, in theory, phase one of that is now kind of complete, you know, keeping things a bit more solid, pushing on for next season. And a slightly more sentimental one, just the prospect of being able to go back to games as a as a supporter, going back to games with my mum and dad, as I uh, have been doing since 1989. This will probably be, I think, will, will almost certainly have been the first season that I haven't been to um, a Forest game as, as a supporter. Managed to get to um, one game, which was Luton, which I think was the last time we saw uh, Nicholas Ioannou. He got sent off in that game, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just being able to go and kind of the the, the sort of there's, there's, there's something incredibly comforting about the kind of autopilot of uh, walking through the this that we have to go through to through the same turnstiles and the Brian Clough stand and you know queue up for a dreadful burger or you know a cup of tea or something like that and then go in the same entrance uh, the same entrance to the um, to our seats Brian Clough upper stand uh, block L row six it's making me feel very sentimental and, you know, vaguely optimistic for the future. 
What I would say, Nick, I know it's quite a long, a long walk from the Brian Clough stand, but if you come round to where the club shop is and just go up, back up toward Trent Bridge, there is a cracking cob shop there which does pork and stuffing um, with applesauce, which you would not believe. Swap that for the burger; it, it, it will change your life. Um, Paul, can you can you give us a reason to be cheerful? Well, you're making me hungry now. All I'm thinking about, all I'm thinking about, is having a. They really pie. are superb. Uh, yeah, you must check them out. The, the pre-match meat pie might be back on the menu for us fat lads in the press box as well. So uh, that that would be a bonus if that if that turns out to be true. Uh, I think I've got to be with Nick really in terms of the young players. It, just the thought of seeing Brennan Johnson in particular. You know, he's been out on loan. He's done it. He's shown what he can do with Lincoln. Really had a very very good season. Got a lot of admirers. There's clubs in the Premier League looking at him very very seriously indeed. Uh, hopefully he'll. I don't think there's any immediate rush to to move him on if if he's if there's a thought there that he is going to get a chance and hopefully he will uh, because just having him in that you don't think that Chris Hewton's going to change formation he's going to stick with the way he's always played throughout his his you know football career it'll either be a a four two three one or a perhaps slightly looser four one four one but Brennan would fit into that he could play on the left side he can play in a central role it'd be great to see him and Alex Mighton you know terrorising championship defences next season and just more broadly the, the sense that there is an opportunity for Chris Hewton to really stamp his influence on things this season what it hasn't been a good season it's been poor it's been even taking into account you know the, the mess he took on he could have done a better job he could have done more than he did but this summer he'll have the chance to bring in his players get the players that can fit within the system he likes, do the job he likes. And hopefully that's the thought that gives me optimism and hope that next season could be better. I know we wipe the slate clean and start again every summer. I know there's a reset button pressed, hammered somewhere in the city ground every single summer. But this year it feels like they've got the right man at the teller just to to help build something, give the team an identity for the first time in a very long time. They had it a little bit under Sabri Lamucci. But since then, Hewton hasn't had the chance to give the team that identity that, that he's so so good at doing in, in the past at his, at his previous clubs. And hopefully we can see that next season. A Forest team with identity, purpose, a direction, and hopefully, dare I say it, a plan. It's not much to ask, is it? Um, all I would add is the only way is up. This has been the worst season that we've had since since relegation to League One. And a massive part of that has been the absence of, of supporters. So it's got to be better next time round. Also, Gary Brazil still works for Forest, so, so that's <laughs> always good. <laughs> right, we're almost done for the season, but for the last time ever, it's time for this. Yes, it's Did They Really Play for Forest? Nick gives us a series of difficult clues about a forest flop and we have to try and decipher who they are i'm looking forward to this nick given that it's the last one i'm, I'm expecting that, that you've gone balls out the bath on this one <laughs> yeah uh really uh, i mean it, 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 i'm afraid it is going to have to be the last one because i have really been scraping the barrel for some of these um but yeah final one so if anyone uh, is uh, coming to this very very late it's a notable player that played for forest uh, in a otherwise forgettable spell five clues uh, starting with the most difficult, getting uh, f- finish up with the easiest. So clue number one: I started my career in France, but I'm not French. Hmm. Okay. Uh, See, so it, it sort of does narrow it down quite a bit because you know historically, Forest don't have that many foreign players. Hmm. So who might start in France who's not French? I wouldn't think. It, I'm trying to think of any. Okay. All right, I've got a random guess, Paul, of you. No. Uh, I'm going to say Michael Heffler. 
That is not correct, although uh, I see where you were going with that. Uh, clue number two, I played once for Manchester City. Hmm. Okay, so maybe this was, I don't know, somebody with some sort of Stuart Pearce link? Uh, I'm scratching my head. Paul, you look equally puzzled. Yeah, I've really got nothing. You have finished off with a stinker here. Mm. Which yes, feels quite fitting, to be fair. <laughs> I, was gonna, I really am going to miss that baffled face. Can we, Paul, can we, if it's a close season, can we just kind of FaceTime and I ask you... If, can you just ask me difficult questions like... Ask, ask you difficult quiz questions. the atomic questions. number of plutonium or something? And I'll be, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, any any guesses? Or shall I move no. to clue number three? Okay, clue number three. As far as the internet knows, I retired in 2016, aged just 30. Ooh. Right, so one would assume that would be because oh, of injury. This is really, really difficult. Um, this is the first time in a long time I haven't had a single player's no, name in my head, yeah. and I, I haven't got, I haven't got a single one. I, I, I think where I've always struggled with this, Paul, is you fixate on one clue. So now I'm looking yeah. in my mind for somebody who played for Manchester City once, as if I'm ever going to be able to, to yeah. think of to think of that. Retired at somebody thirty, French roots, who yeah. played once for Man City. Hmm. Uh, oh. Oh. Okay. No. Oh. Uh, good. It's good. Good logic there, but no. Matricano. No. 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 He. <laughs> he would be about sixty in two thousand sixteen, surely. No, of course, uh, Murich hasn't even retired, has he? What am I talking about? <laughs> so there we are, focusing on one clue again. All right. Well, the, the fir- first uh, first three clues have been uh, pretty fiendish, but uh, the, the, the the last two clues th- these are two sort of clue number ones. You, you, I'll be very surprised if you don't get it from this one. I scored two goals for Forest, one of which was a Penenka penalty. Oh, oh, here we go. Did he play for Man City? Yeah. Go on, Paul, you take it. He's, he's your guy. Is it the man with big balls? Is the man with big balls. Jamal Abdu. And as it as it happens, the final clue was, I once bragged to the Athletics Nottingham Forest correspondent Paul Taylor about the size <laughs> of my genitals. <laughs> <laughs> and his father's genitals. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, yes, I... I would th- thoroughly. It was, it was around this time last year, I think, wasn't it? You, you wrote a piece about him. I thoroughly recommend it. Yes. Um, I, I don't. I don't know whether it's um, the Athletics SEO team have done a bang up job in getting it up the Google rankings, or just no one is searching for <laughs> Jamal Abdul. But just search for his name, and it's one of the first things that comes up. Jamal Abdul and big balls, and it'll it'll be there immediately. <laughs> How did that come up in conversation? Uh, the, the, the whole story is 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 brilliant. Uh, I was just stood in reception at the Forest Training Ground, and the press officer said to me, uh, "Somebody wants a word with you." And <laughs> it, it was a clearly furious Jamal Abdoon. He, he was absolutely livid. Now Jamal, thankfully, is not the biggest of guys, and he he. I thought to myself, "Well, look, I, I didn't genuinely think we were going to have a fight or anything like that." But I said to him, "Look, let, let, let's go outside, away from everybody else." And I thought I'll try and calm him down and. Because he just wanted to know why I was writing bad things about him. The fact I was writing bad things about him was because he was playing badly. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, we went outside and he was giving it the old chest jab. And I'm thinking, here we go. Right, okay. Getting a jab in the chest. Then he went on this extraordinary rant that went on for a good seven or eight 
minutes, I would imagine, where I barely got a word in edgeways, where he just talked about the size of his balls, his dad balls, uh, his father giving him big balls and how big balls were important. And he played for Olympiacos, which shows he'd got big balls. And did I have big balls? There was, there was a moment where he, he, I thought he was going to reach out and assess for himself whether I had big balls or not. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, eventually, with reason and calmness, I think I managed to, to, to calm him down. Uh, I, I think it would have been one of those situations where you could comfortably have just held him off with one arm. But but <laughs> but still, I didn't really want to have to go down that having him flailing fists at me in a furious way. Uh, Paint a picture it, of a man who is, who, who's uh, disproportionately made up of testicles. He's, very, <laughs> he's got big balls and, and the rest of his body is kind Bust, of very... Buster Gonad. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah, but by the end of it, we 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 were we ended up on quite good terms, and uh, for a while, he 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 used to message me and promise me an interview and things after he'd left Forest, which was interesting. I I wish we'd done that. Uh, I guess it's never too late, but uh, it would be great to go over again with him what he made of his Forest career because this, his side of the story must be extraordinary. You know, the the, the my favorite. I tell the story of the piece of. Uh, Dougie Friedman told me that Jamal Abdoon came and knocked on his door and, and gave him a big speech about how he was the best player at the club and should be playing. And Dougie thought, well, fair enough. If you really think that, you go and tell the other players that. And apparently he did. He went down to the dressing room, stood up in front of the other players and went, I'm the best player at this club and I should be playing. Which you can imagine the, the, the reaction from his teammates being one of bewilderment and amusement. But but still, at least he, he very much did demonstrate that he has got big balls to, to, to go and do that. So fair play to him. He's one. It was one of those players who uh, I, uh, when you first watched him, he had a little kind of shuffle that vaguely reminded me of Robert Perez. And for a, for a fleeting moment, I thought, oh, what if what if he's as good as Robert Perez? Well, we might have a real player on our hands here. And then he carried on playing, and as it turns out, he wasn't as good as Robert Perez. <laughs> <laughs> what an extraordinary way to bring the curtain down on the glory that was. Did they really play for Forest? We'll come back with a, a similarly uh, thrilling feature next season. I've got no doubt. But that's just about going to wrap it up for today and for this season. Before we go, though, let's hear what the chaps have been working on for Athletic subscribers to enjoy. Uh, Paul, you're Editors have stitched you up, haven't they? Making you write about the playoffs, a bit cruel. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like here's here's what you could have won. Uh, but yeah, we've done a a big look at every single one of the uh, Championship, uh, League One, and League Two playoff games, and uh, it's one of those niche features that has immediately prompted outrage from the fans of every single one of those clubs, telling me how wrong I've got the choice of key player. Uh, you know. It, Forgive me for not watching all 46 games of Sunderland season so far, but, you know, uh, yeah, it, 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 I, I'm looking forward to the playoffs because they're, uh, they're exciting, aren't they? They're great when you're not involved and you can sort of stand and watch as a neutral and, and see, you know, whether, you know, the likes of Barnsley are going to continue their fairy tale season and end up in the Premier League or whether Sunderland are finally going to end their misery in League One or there's just so much intrigue and drama and excitement. And they, end, they quite often end up being utterly rubbish games, but still somehow are entertaining just purely because of what's at stake. I love it. I love the playoffs and I'll I'll I'll, I'll be watching every single one of the games like a right shadow with a with a beer on the sofa uh, wishing that that Forest were involved but hopefully next season. And that actually gives me the chance to plug something which is the Totally Football League show. We're doing a, a playoff preview special which we record on Sunday but later today I'm talking to Michael Appleton, the Lincoln City manager, and uh, you know I'm sure I'll try and crowbar something about Brendan Johnson in there. Mm. So, uh, so do check that out. How about you, Nick? 
Uh, most of my time is uh, currently consumed, as I mentioned a couple of times before, with the Totally Football Yearbook, which um, uh, gave Matt a little sneak preview of the uh, forest, very brief forest section, and uh, he was thoroughly depressed by it all. So, um, <laughs> fortunately, there was about <clears throat> four hundred other pages of stuff about the uh, the season just just gone. Um, so yeah, get it's not out until uh, August, but uh, get pre-ordering that now. Um, in terms of uh, something else, to, uh, something more immediate to plug, um, nothing really to do with Forest, but um, there have been a couple of exceptional pieces on the Athletic by Katie Wyatt about uh, Chelsea, Chelsea women's team. Um, first was about the Champions League semi final, I think, or written just after that, and uh, she wrote a profile of Emma Hayes. Uh, which went out uh, earlier this week, I think, which is one of the best pieces of writing I've, I've uh, read in some time. So have a read of those. Uh, yeah, and Emma Hayes, by the way, a, a big disciple of, of the Brian Clough School of Management. And it, it, she spoke about how, how massive a thrill it was for her to, to play the Women's League Cup final at the City Ground last season. So well worth checking that out. Uh, we will come back sporadically, listeners. Something big happens in the world of Forest over the summer, but this is our final show until we start building up toward next season. So many thanks to Paul, to Nick, to producers Lucy, Aidy, and Adonis, to Danny Taylor, to David Prutton, to Asha Ali, to all the guests we've had on, but mainly to you uh, for keeping us going and sustaining us. We will be back again next season as we look forward to Forest's promotion winning campaign. But for now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic.